0: Hey everyone, welcome to Overlake Christian Church. We are so excited that you're here today. In a few minutes, we will join together in worship and then hear a message from one of our pastors on our current teaching series. All together, we'll be here for just over an hour. One of our sayings around here is that connection is everything. We would love for you to connect with those around you here in the service and out in the hallway after the service today. Throughout the year, we'll be promoting events that enable you to connect with your parish and connect in groups, as well as connecting to serve in your community. If it's your first time with us today, welcome. We're so glad you're here. If you have any questions or need any information, then please swing by one of our info desks in the main hallway after the service. There you'll find friendly people and a delicious gift waiting for you. Here at Overlake, there are many opportunities to serve. If you need more information about any of the various ministries, from Kidtown Children's Ministries to behind the scenes on a Sunday morning, then note that on the connection card in your handout, and we'll make sure to get you all the info you need. Thanks so much for being here today. We believe church isn't just a building to gather in on a Sunday, but that it is a family where we can come together, both here in our building and out in the community. We hope you have a great time at service this morning.
1: Good morning, Overlake. My name is Jessica. I'm the worship pastor here. Would you please stand and worship with us this morning? We are so glad that you're with us. slave
2: It's wonderful to be with you today, my name is Mike, I'm one of the pastors on the team. Uh, Let there be light, what a, what a beautiful song and what an what a awesome truth to be able to sing and, and to worship the Lord with today. Here's what I want you to do, go ahead and grab a seat, but say sunshine to the person next to you. We're, we've got a lot of sunshine happening, right? And I, I want to start this morning by talking about the, the word, the text that's on the screen behind me, risen. And the reason why is we just came off of Easter where we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand that because He is risen, We have everything. That's the reason for everything that we have as followers of Jesus. It's the reason for the hope that we have. It's the reason for the strength that we get, the empowerment from his spirit in our lives. And it's the reason for the text that we're going to jump into today. So if you want to grab your notes out of your handout, you'll see that, that this is a, it's a sermon on text. And specifically, the text that we're talking about is the Bible. And the Bible is what informs us about our risen Savior and our living Lord Jesus Christ. But you need to understand it's because of the risenness of Jesus that the text is invaluable for us today. So I want to start by showing you a book that I absolutely cherish. So this is this is a, a Bible that my Grandma Soft gave to me when I was just a young man, young teenager. And this is the, the Bible, she put my name on the front and, and it connects me with this woman that I love and with her humble and sincere faith. And and so I just, I, I love this book and I used it all through high school and college. And then I started ministry as a youth pastor. So this has been on mission trips after mission trips and, and high school camps and sleepovers. And you can see it's a well-traveled tome right here. This is much loved. Uh, this is not abuse. This is just use that uh, this has received and, and I love it I know I should get it rebound but I kind of like I even like how used it is you know how and I love flipping through it from time to time and seeing the verses that I highlighted through the years and, and even looking at my notes as a young man going oh dude you' so you're so sweet and uh, you, you know so I just I love I cherish this book. And the reason why I wanna start with that is because, you know, I, I actually, I love the Bible in general. And so not just that Bible, I, I, I love the Bible. And for 28 years, I have been in the Bible virtually every single day reading it and studying it and wrestling with it and seeking to hear God's heart for me and for us through it. And, and so you just need to know that I come at the text with a lover's eyes, that, that uh, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder and and I find that this is a beautiful, beautiful book. So that's where I'm coming from. But at the same time, it is important to ask the question, but what do we actually do with this book? Like, what, what is it important for us to, to do with this book? Because there's a lot of stuff in here that we believe and we affirm and we obey and practice. And yet there is some stuff in there that we believe maybe, but we don't affirm and we don't practice and we don't obey today. And by saying that out loud, uh, some of you are, are a little bit shocked right now. But let me just give you an example and you'll see that you're already in agreement with that statement. Okay. I'd like for you, if in the course of your lifetime, if ever because you felt guilt about something that you had done wrong, raise your hand if you've ever sacrificed a bull for your sins. Anybody? Anybody? How about uh, a sheep or a goat? Less expensive. Anybody sacrifice sheep or a goat? No. Uh, Certainly there are some of you maybe who would have, you know, afforded a dove, right, for your sins. That you would have put a dove on the altar and burned it. No? No dove burners here? Um, Yeah, interesting, right? And and yet uh, there are verses and chapters about All that stuff. Well, how about just in the things that we wear? Certainly, you have the appropriate length tassel to wear on your priestly ephod, right? Like, right? I, of course, I fail in that regard. um, And you might think I just fail dressing in general. I get it. Um, How about this? You you know, the the, uh, curls on the side of your head that you let them grow down and you wear the necklace box with scripture in it. How many of you got that going today? Anyone, no? You guys are so disobedient to Scripture. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. And, and, and you know, you don't do all that stuff. And I'm telling you, it's not just a few verses. There are like thousands of verses about these things I just talked about. And you might push back and you might say, well, well Mike, I'm, we're not Jewish. And I would say, yeah, no, I get it. We're not Jewish. But you need to understand that all that stuff's in the Bible and the Bible in so many ways is the foundation for what we understand about our risen Jesus Christ. And, and so you and I, we've got to know what it is that we do with the book. Because here's what you can't do. You can't just cherry pick the verses you like. Do you know what I'm saying? The Bible is not a buffet where you just get to walk through and just pick out the verses that are delicious for you and leave the stuff that's hard or difficult or challenging. Are Are you following me? That's not a good plan. So what we actually have to do is we have to come up with some system or some way in which we actually employ and skillfully apply the pages of scripture into our lives. So you might wanna write this down. We need to understand how to interact with this book in a thoughtful and systematic way that helps us understand God's heart and will for our lives. This is important for us because so many of us at Overlake are first generation Christians. And so we have to talk about how we read the Bible and how we uh, know what to apply and how to understand what it is that we read. And for some of you who've been following Jesus for a long time, you already employ these truths in your own life as you read the Bible. You just might not know that you're employing them. So it's really important for us to talk about this stuff. So this week and next week, we're gonna be talking at a level that I would put at like a Bible college or, or an intro seminary class level. And, and because of this, you might be encountering teaching that you haven't really heard before. And I don't think that's entirely true. If you've been around Overlake for any length of time, we've actually covered these issues before because we really want you to understand this. But just understand that this teaching that you're gonna hear from me today, this is as old as the church is. It's 2,000 years old. It's exactly what the apostle Paul did. It's what Peter did. It's what the disciples did. It's what our early church founders did. And, and, and it's not even something that I'm signaling that we're moving into as a church, friends. I'm saying that this is where we've been, that this is what I've been doing for 15 years here at Overlake. And it's what any church you go to does regularly. So this is the work, is understanding what it is that, that we do when we open the pages of Scripture okay? And again, what's the fuel behind all this? Why are we compelled to do this? It's because Jesus Christ is our risen Savior and our living Lord, okay? So that's the background for all this. Now let's jump in. If you're filling in the blanks, the first thing you need to know, this is so essential and all these truths build, the first thing you need to know is that the Bible reveals God's plan for salvation. It reveals God's plan for the reconciliation of all things. See, God's revealing his heart to us through the pages of scripture, his heart which seeks to save. We know from the pages of scripture that sin has invaded humanity and separated us from our awesome creator, our loving father, and, and, and he's holy. And so sin has separated us from him and it separates us from one another relationally and it separates us even from our own selves. We don't feel comfortable in, in our own skin. And so the Bible it foretells and clearly tells. <laughs> I think you should write that down because I wrote it and I thought it was so clever. So the, the Bible foretells and clearly tells of God's plan of restoration through Jesus Christ. That's what the thing is all about. And so we read this in Colossians 1, 19 and 20, for God in his fullness was pleased to live in Jesus, in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by uh, by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So that's what the whole thing is about. In fact, if you want to write down the Cliff Notes version of scripture, and we've covered this many times. God chose Israel to birth Messiah to save the world. That's the Cliff Notes version of scripture. God chose a nation, Israel, to birth Messiah Jesus in order to bring salvation to the entire world. So the work of Jesus through the cross and the empty tomb is God's plan of salvation. And that is the meta narrative of scripture. It's what the entire thing is about. And since that's what the whole thing is about, you need to know if you're filling in the blanks, the next one is that the Bible is about Jesus. The Bible's about him. And so this section that we're going to go into right here, it might sound like a movie where, excuse me, when you get to the end of the movie, you find out that there have been clues scattered throughout the entire thing. Or maybe, uh, it, since this is the opening weekend of Avengers Endgame, maybe the, the relevant analogy is, you know, you go to see this installment and you realize that it's actually the culmination of 10 years and 21 films being wrapped up in this one movie. Now, just show of hands, how many of you have seen the movie already? Yes, God bless you, I see that hand, God bless you, that's right, Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It's, it's, I, I will tell you this, I've got teenage boys, and so of course we've seen it, and uh, I'll just tell no. I, I had no idea that I was going to bawl like a baby. I had no idea. Who knew that a comic book movie would make me weep openly? Let's move on. Alright, So. so here's what the Bible is about, you go to the very beginning and you see that Jesus is referenced in Genesis 3 as the promised one who will one day crush Satan under his heel. You see, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb of Passover in Exodus. In Leviticus, the high priest makes sacrifices for the people and Christ has become our high priest, providing the perfect sacrifice to atone for our sins. In Deuteronomy, Moses prophesied of one who would come greater than he. Jesus is the one greater than Moses. Joshua meets the captain of the Lord's host. Jesus is that captain. And judges, the leaders delivered God's people. Each of them an archetype of Jesus, our deliverer. Boaz, the kinsman who redeemed Ruth's inheritance and identity is a picture of Jesus, our kinsman redeemer. David, the anointed one in Samuel is a precursor king to Jesus and Jesus is described as the son of David. The Book of Kings speak of the glory of God filling the temple and Chronicles describe the glorious coming King, both in reference to Jesus, our King of Kings. Ezra depicts Jesus as the Lord of our fathers. Jesus is the rebuilder of the wall, the protector of God's people and the reestablisher of a right relationship of worship of the Father embodied by Nehemiah. Jesus is the one who risks all at such a time as this to intercede on behalf of his people, bringing salvation illustrated through the book of Esther. Job says, I know my redeemer lives and I will stand with him. Jesus is his living redeemer. Christ appears in the Psalms, including David describing him as my shepherd. Jesus' wisdom personified with the Father in creation in Proverbs 11 and John chapter 1. Isaiah details Jesus' birth and describes the suffering servant narrative of Jesus' crucifixion hundreds of years before it took place. Jeremiah reveals Jesus will be acquainted with sorrows in the book of Daniel. Jesus is the fourth man in the furnace in Babylon with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Joel describes Jesus as the hope of his people as Jonah spends three days in the belly of the fish to emerge bringing salvation to Nineveh. Jesus spends three days in the belly of the earth to emerge, bringing salvation to the world. Amos tells us Jesus is the judge of all nations. Obadiah paints a picture of Jesus' coming eternal kingdom. Zephaniah speaks of God delighting over us, referencing the new covenant of grace where because of Jesus we are not objects of sin but rather children cleansed and favored. Zechariah speaks of Jesus entering humbly, riding on a colt. Malachi calls Jesus the son of righteousness. (laughs) <laughs> you see, the entire Old Testament points forward to the arrival and the ministry and the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, our Messiah. And then you keep going and you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the Gospels, and the Gospels are directly and overtly about Jesus' birth, teaching, resurrection, and crucifixion. They're literally His story. And then Acts immediately follows that. That describes what the apostles do, the followers of Jesus, and the spread of the church of Jesus. The books that follow that are called letters or epistles. And they're all about what life with Jesus looks like. And then Revelation, the last book in the Bible, is about the return of Jesus as are portions of Daniel and Ezekiel. So... I I go through all that so that you understand when people ask you what is the Bible about, it's not an oversimplification to say the Bible is about Jesus. Look at this quote from C.S. Lewis. It is Christ himself who is the true word of God. The Bible read in the right spirit and with the right guidance of good teachers will bring us to him. And not only that, but Jesus himself employs this kind of mechanism. It says in Luke 24, 27, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets. That's what we would call the Old Testament, the the old covenant, the law. So the writings of Moses and the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so using that as a model, you need to understand that the Bible is about Jesus. And because the Bible is about Jesus, this truth builds on that. That the Bible is to be understood and applied through the lens of Jesus. Through the lens of Jesus, we now understand and apply the entirety of Scripture through Him. So what you kind of just heard me say verbally, the entire Old Testament points forward to Jesus. It, It points forward. And you know, we've talked about this before, that there are literally hundreds of prophetic utterances in the Old Testament pointing toward Jesus' birth and his life, his teachings, his crucifixion and resurrection. And then you've got the Gospels, which are literally about those things, about Jesus. They're his story. And then Acts is about Jesus and what life with Jesus in the first century looks like. And then the letters are about how we live honoring Jesus and following Jesus. And then Revelation is about the return of Jesus. So it all points to him. And because it all points to him, then he becomes the window through which we view all of Scripture. He becomes the lens through which we look when it comes to understanding what it is that we are to receive about God's heart from the pages of Scripture. I I don't know if this makes sense to you. you. Have you ever been to a 3D movie? Raise your hand if you've ever seen a 3D movie. Okay, And so you're wearing your glasses and you're enjoying the movie and things are jumping out at you. It's crystal clear. Have you ever taken your glasses off during the movie? And everything is, it's just fuzzy. It's not in focus. You got these red and blue lines and, and it just, it, it's not clear what's happening in front of you. But you put your glasses back on and suddenly it's coming right at you. It's absolutely crystal clear. And the scripture is the same way. We've got to put the lens of Jesus on when we open the pages of scripture so that we can understand and experience the story of God's grace and his pursuit and his love for us. You might want to write this down. Jesus is the pinnacle, the ultimate revelation and perfect theology. He's the pinnacle, the ultimate revelation and perfect theology. And what Jesus does is he ushers us into a new covenant. You might want to write that down. It's a new covenant of grace. No longer is God's wrath for sin a cloud we live under because Jesus has taken away our sin. He has paid that penalty and rescued us and adopted us, and we are his children dearly loved. And the whole purpose is that we might have life with him and in him abundant now and eternal forever. See the scripture says this in John 20 31. And it's talking about the, specifically the book of John. As, as the disciple named John wrote these words in the book of John. But you need to know it also refers to the entirety of scripture. He says these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That's the main point the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? That The whole scripture is for this purpose right here. And then it means, and again, these truths continue to build, it means the Bible is God-breathed and useful. It's all inspired by him. The Scripture is all inspired by the Spirit of God working through human authors. And the Scripture itself says this in, in 2 Timothy. This is the Apostle Paul and he's writing a letter to the, this young pastor that he's mentoring named Timothy. And he writes this and he says all Scripture is God-breathed and useful... For teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the follower of Jesus may be equipped for every good work. So the scripture is helpful. And it's equipping. And it's inspired by God's spirit. And his Holy Spirit helps us to understand how to put his will into practice in our lives. You might want to write this down. The author of life is guiding me into the fullness of life. The author of life is guiding me into the fullness of life. And he reveals his heart of love and salvation. And when I understand the scripture through the lens of Jesus, I can apply it helpfully and powerfully. There's a sport that I love, and it's really a summertime sport. It's paddleboarding. Raise your hand if you've ever been paddleboarding before. Yeah, so several of us. So I I haven't gone yet in 2019, but I'm looking forward to sunny days. I think we might have a few this week, so I'm excited maybe to take it out. But paddleboarding, I've I've been out on the Puget Sound with it. And the the day that I was out there on the Sound, this is a couple years ago now, it was kind of a windy day. And so I'm out there and I'm battling the wind and the waves and I'm working as hard as I can. I mean, I am literally just going after it. And every time, you know, with all my strength, I'll do a stroke and I get like an inch, you know, and I'm like, "Ah, ah." you know, I'm just like barely making it out there. And so, oh man, this is ridiculously hard. But then I had the exact opposite experience after a while because I went ahead and turned around and I pointed my board in the direction that the wind was blowing. And then my body became a wind sail. And so all of a sudden now, instead of working against the wind, I'm working with it. And so I felt like the bionic man or something. I was like, no, 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 na, 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 I should start, you know, tournaments. Like I am awesome, you know, one stroke, 40 yards. Like this is amazing. And so uh, it just was, it was an awesome experience. You know, the, the second half going back was fun. Here's what I wanna say though. I wanna say that the author of life knows how life is meant to be lived. Are you with me? The, the, The one who created life, don't forget God's the one who created all life, the creator of all life, knows exactly how life works best. And when you open the pages of scripture and you allow the author of life to coach you and guide you and lead you and you bring your life in alignment with what it is that he says, this is how life works best, then friends, that's the abundant life that Jesus is inviting you into. See, that's what Jesus saying. I came that you might have a full life when you come into alignment with God's will for you. And that is how we can understand and utilize the pages of scripture. We can, we can begin to seek God's heart for our own selves and then obey it, apply it, you know, live it. So it's God's breath. it's useful, it's inspired by him. And then again, this truth builds on top of that. The Bible is an invitation to relationship. It's an invitation to relationship, to a greater intimacy with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In, In the book that's written, the letter that's written, and we have it as the book of Hebrews in our Bible, it says that the Bible is living and active. In other words, it's not a dead document but it has the ability to speak directly to us today. You need to know that the written word, the Bible, is an invitation to know the living word. So the the written word is an invitation to know the living word, Jesus. And Jesus in John chapter one, he's identified as the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God, right? So that's Jesus. It's a love letter written from God's heart to ours. And, and this invitation to relationship, we practice this at Overlake. So I run a, a guys group. We meet on Wednesday nights in the fall and we actually just finished up our, our session here in the early spring and the start of the year. So we'll start again in the fall. But we do this Wednesday night with guys and basically what happens is I kinda ask God, God, would you bring me to a passage of scripture? And then I'll print out this passage of scripture, we'll give it to all the guys. We spend about a half hour Just prayerfully reading the scripture. We go off, it's a little bit of a quiet time experience. And then we come back together after asking Jesus, Jesus, what do you have for me in this passage? What are you saying to me? What is it that you you would want from my life as I jump into this passage of scripture? And it's so amazing, we come back together how each of the guys, as we start sharing, each of the guys has a story that God was speaking directly to their heart through this passage. And, and what God says to Jim is a little bit different than what God has pointed out to Lee. And what God has said to Craig is just a little bit different than what God has pointed out to Rob. And yet all of it is emanating from the exact same passage of scripture. You see, it's an invitation to relationship with the living word of God, speaking through the written word of God. Are you with me? That's The beauty and the power. And so here's what I want to do. I want I I want to give you a paradigm for applying scripture into your life. So here it is. Three questions that you can write down and and then process. Because let me say clearly, the Bible is the authority for our lives when it's properly interpreted and applied. When it's properly interpreted and applied through the lens of Jesus. And let me just say this really clear. The work is to properly interpret and apply it. That's the work. That's what's important. I got an email a couple of months ago, and in the email, it was a, it was a critical email of me, and in the email, it said something like this. Uh, we don't interpret the Bible. We just do what it says. And I, ju- I want you to understand that the work is to actually skillfully translate and appropriately interpret the scripture so that you get God's heart correctly. If you don't, friends, and I don't need to give you a ton of examples about this because you already know the, pa- you know the pages of history are littered with people who use the Bible to justify horrific things. You know, I don't often do this, but Hitler was one of those kinds of people. And he used the pages of the New Testament to incite anger against the Jewish communities. And then he uses pages of the Old Testament to justify his desire for genocide. I want to tell you, he was not doing it correctly. Can I get an amen? Amen. Uh, He was doing it absolutely horrifically badly. So yeah, the work is we have to translate and interpret skillfully so that we can apply correctly. So here's the three questions. The first question is this, when you read the page of scripture, any page in, in any book of the scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, you have to ask yourself, what is the time bound principle here? In other words, what was the original context who, when the person was first writing this, what is it that they were intending to communicate? The first people received these words. What is it that the hearers would have heard? How would they have applied it into their lives? So that is the, the time-bound context. When it was originally written and, and re- delivered, what, what did it mean and, and how is it applied? And then the second question, very similar, is, well, what is the timeless principle? In other words, what's the universal principle then that we are, not just in the first century context or earlier, but but in our context today, how do we apply this? How do we hear God's heart in this? What is it that God's calling us to apply in this context today? And then I'm gonna give you a third question. This question trumps all of the questions is this. What is the Jesus principle? What is the Jesus principle? In other words... How is it that I view this passage through the lens of Jesus Christ? The risen and living Lord that we follow. Uh, in other words, I mean, to say it simply, it's just WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? That's, that's how we come to the pages of scripture. And I'll give you one example. There are many examples. And and like I said, this is the work. So we we actually do this every single week at Overlay Christian Church. But I'll give you one example. It's in from Psalm 139. And it's, Psalm 139 is one of my favorite psalms. I mean, David is, is amazing to me. I love this warrior poet. And, and this is some of his very best and greatest stuff. At the end of Psalm 139, he's wrestling with this issue with the Lord. And he, he's asking God a question. He, he says to God, shouldn't I hate your enemies, God? Shouldn't I hate your enemies? And so he's just wrestling kind of a general question. What do you do with your enemies? And so he's, he's asking God this question. And then he actually brings this conclusion in verse 22. He says, yes, I hate them. In other words, enemies. I hate them with total hatred for your enemies are my enemies. So in the conclusion of Psalm 139, David is concluding. He's saying, I'm right to hate God's enemies with a pure or a total hatred because they're my enemies too. So that's what David, this warrior, this king, this man with real tangible enemies, that's what he concludes. Yes, I'm to hate them with a pure and total hatred because they're my enemies too. Now, Jesus, what does Jesus tell us to do with our enemies? I think the, the, the first service was tracking with me a little bit better. Let me, let me ask you again. But what does Jesus tell us to do to our enemies? Love them. That's right. So, so Jesus taught love and Jesus modeled love. He embodied the gospel of love. I said before and I'll say it again. He's the pinnacle. He's the ultimate revelation of God's heart. He is perfect theology. So when Jesus says, love your enemies, and David says, hate your enemies, you land with Jesus. Are you with me? Like that's, I don't know how to make it any clearer. But let me unpack it just a little bit more. Because we always let scripture help interpret scripture. So Paul, the apostle, he's writing a book to the church at Ephesus. So he's writing this letter. We have it as the book of Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 6, he says we do not have enemies of flesh and blood. He he says, your enemies are not flesh and blood enemies. No, no, no. It's the spiritual realm. There's this whole other side going on. And and so you need to understand that that we do have an enemy, not a flesh and blood enemy, but, but, but we have an enemy. Satan is our enemy. And not only that, but Satan's God's enemy first. So now you go back to Psalm 139 and you go, oh, okay. I don't have a flesh and blood enemy, but David's saying I, I can hate my enemy with a perfect or, or total hatred. It's Satan. And it's Satan's works, and it's the harm that Satan causes. And so, friends, we, we can hate Satan, and we can hate how he destroys and how he wrecks havoc, and, and we can hate the, the works that he is constantly going after. We can hate addiction. We can hate abuse. We can hate violence. We, we can come against injustice and genocide. And, and uh, you know, the list goes on and on because those are the works of Satan, and the kingdom of God comes powerfully against those works. We don't hate our flesh and blood enemies, but we we hate our spiritual enemy who seeks to destroy everything that God wants in his kingdom. Are you with me? So, so in this regard, we're not setting the scripture aside. We're not just like not dealing with Psalm 139 because Jesus says, love your enemies. David says, hate your enemies. No, no, we're actually getting to what is God's heart really helping us to land on. And it's and it's subtle work, friends, and it's more difficult work. But friends, this is the important work that we have to go after if we're going to appropriately interpret Scripture and apply it into our lives. Amen. I want to close with one last story. Uh, <clears throat> you with me? Okay, here we go. Th- there was a theologian in Britain. Uh, this is he's an old timer, old time. So black and white photo. This guy predates C.S. Lewis. His name's. G.K. Chesterton, and he was famous, and he was witty and articulate, and he influenced Lewis and Tolkien and many other theologians, and he just had this, this great career, but he was also well-loved. He was super witty, and so there were all these experiences where people would gather around him, and he would just kind of hold court, and, and And this is a story that comes from way back when, and it, it might be urban legend, but it's it really fits, so just pretend it's real. If it's not real, I don't, I don't really care. Uh, he, Let's just use it, okay? So he's, he's around with a group of people, many reporters, and they're actually doing a story on one of the latest books that he had written. And, and so one of the reporters asked him this question. He is, hey, Chesterton, if, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what's one book that you would want to have with you? And, of course, everybody thought he'd say the Bible or whatever. And so Chesterton thought for a moment, and he said, if I were stranded on a deserted island, the book that I would want most with me is Thomas's Guide to Practical Shipbuilding. <laughs> <laughs> he said, It's practical, it's helpful, it's hopeful, and it would get me home. Amen. And then he said, That's what the Bible is for us. It's practical, it's helpful, it's hopeful, and it will get us home. Amen. 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 All right. So here's what I want to do. I'd I'd ask you to bow your heads with me right now, and we just we want to thank Jesus for the gift that we have. I, I don't want anyone to miss this. The gift that we have is we have a risen Savior. We have a living Lord. And because he is resurrected, because he actually reigns, this book that tells us about him is invaluable. And so Jesus, what we want to do is we want to come to you now and we want to ask that you would continue to lead us and coach us and guide us and help us to make the kinds of conclusions about the scripture that honor our Heavenly Father's heart. Help us to apply the truths in the pages of Scripture in such a way that it brings us more in alignment with your will. Help us as we use the pages of Scripture and live the lives that you call us to live. Help us to be agents of bringing your kingdom powerfully to come, powerfully to bear in this world. And and Jesus, we do come against the enemy and his works because we want you to reign. And we want your kingdom to be manifest powerfully in this life, knowing that there will be a day when we are tangibly and physically present in your kingdom forever and ever. And so, Lord, we love you and we give you all praise, all honor, all glory. We pray it all in the name of our risen Savior and living Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're going to continue to worship Jesus together, and we're going to do this with the giving of our gifts, tithes, and offerings, but I also want to give you a moment to finish filling out this connection card that was in your handout, so just take a moment, grab that card. You can fill out as much as you feel comfortable with. On the back, if you have a prayer request, or if there's some information you'd like, please fill that out, and, and then I do want to give an opportunity because just about every week here at Overlake, people make decisions to follow Jesus, and And so today, after hearing about how all of the Bible points to Jesus and hearing about his heart of love for you and the plan of salvation that he's inviting you into, if you want to make a decision to follow him, go ahead and check one of those boxes and we celebrate that with you. We just, we want to give you any resources we have that'll help you on your faith journey. So go ahead and finish filling all this out. And and then uh, as the ushers come, in fact, why don't you guys come and start passing out those buckets. You can drop these cards in, as well as any gifts, tithes, or offerings. That's just another way that we worship Jesus. I do want to say a special welcome to you if you're here and this is your very first time. We are really glad that you're here. We're glad that uh, that you spent this morning with us, or maybe you're watching online for the first time. Thank you. Uh, you need to know that I want to invite you to hold on to your card uh, as the buckets come. Don't put it in. In fact, on your way out, you'll notice that there's a connection center just in the lobby and. And I'd love for you to go and turn that card in there. We'd love to meet you. There's a gift that we have for you. It's just our way of saying, hey, we really appreciate it. You being with us today. So uh, as the buckets are being passed, we've got a video to show. Why don't you go ahead and watch this?
3: for oh.
4: And listen and hear and see what God has for us today. I want to encourage you guys make sure you check out what's inside your handout. Lots of great things going on. A little over a month ago, there were many of us who stood on this stage as short term team people ready to go out the spring. All those teams have returned, and tonight we have a special share night. We'd love to invite you to come join us and hear about what God is doing around the world and how we have the privilege of just showing up alongside of brothers and sisters serving so well on the field. So we want to encourage you to join us for that. As always, we have great people who are willing to pray with you. Any spiritual decision or care or concerns on your heart, just come up on the second level and follow the sign. Someone will be there to, to greet you. Let me pray this prayer, a blessing over us as we get ready to leave. Maybe as you just kind of close your eyes and offer your hands out as a posture of receiving. May your inspiration be from Jesus alone. May you encounter the lavish love of Jesus as you seek him in scripture. And may God's living word spoken over you heal your heart direct your steps, inspire your life, and fill you with his purposes for your world. Amen. Great being with you. Look forward to seeing you next week. Have a good one.